you have your Bibles with you tonight, we're interested in the book of Judges, the book of Judges chapter number 17. I want to preach a message tonight, the burden of my heart that the Lord has laid upon me in Judges chapter 17, and I want to read the first six verses of this chapter aloud, and I'd like to ask you if you would stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's precious word. Judges chapter 17, verse number 1. Now there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursedest, and spakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image. What? And a molten image. What? I, what? Read it again. I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man, Micah, had a house of gods, and made an ephod and teraphim, and consecrated one of his sons, who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I want to preach on this thought tonight, a nation with vanishing values. Father, would you help us now to preach what you've laid upon our heart, what thus saith the Lord. God, would you make preaching easy for us tonight, God? Would you help us to hear and have understanding? God, would you give us the enlightenment that we need? Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to declare the whole counsel of the word of God. And for this we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I thank you not for standing. You may be seated. According to verse 6, Israel is living in a time when there's no king. Israel's living in a time when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In other words, he didn't do that which was wrong. Because he thought everything he did was right. What was right for me and what was right for you and what was right for everybody else, everything was just right. Now we're talking about God's chosen people, Israel. They're without leadership. They're without authority. They would not look unto the Lord. There was no one to lift up the standard. There was no one to look to. There was no one to lean on. There was no one to learn from. There's no one to live after. There's no direction. Does that sound familiar in the day and age in which we now live? There are seldom leaders for you and I to look to and to try to live our lives after. It seems to be that there's an erosion in the nation of Israel that once made Israel a great nation, but values have vanished. Look how low they have sunk. Number one, let's see the loss of accountability. Back to verse one. 
there's a man from Mount Ephraim. The Bible says this man's name is Micah. In your mind, remember this. His name means who is like God. Evidently, his mother was very wealthy. Verse 2 says she had 1,100 shekels of silver and somebody stole it from her and she's been cussing and pitching an awful fit about it. And the boy hears her placing a curse upon whoever stole that money and the boy says in verse number 2, Mom, I took it. He stole from his own mother. Sounds familiar in the day and age which we live. Rather than rebuking her son for stealing the money and the commandment that says thou shalt not steal, she blesses him. Well, preacher Darren, she's just glad to get her money back. So she's, she's okay. So she doesn't re rebuke the boy or point out his error. Well, what's this. She says, blessed, verse 2, blessed be thou the Lord, my son. Verse 3, I've dedicated this silver unto the Lord. And I'm thinking, boy, that sounds good. 1,100 shekels of silver. She's going to give it to God. He stole it. Now she's going to get it back. She's going to give it until she says, son, I'm going to go to a silversmith. And I'm going to give them 200 shekels of silver to make you, little old blessed you, I'm going to make you a god, a teraphim, that you might have a graven image, another one to put upon the shelf in your little collection, another one for your shrine of the place that you worship the idols that you worship. Verse 5 says that Micah, who is like God, he consecrated one of his children to be his very own priest. He just appoints his own priest. God has a standard for how that was supposed to be done, but it's not serving the real God anyway, so it doesn't really matter. When you look at this family, just a few things here that I noticed. They're coveting, stealing, cussing, blessing, dishonoring, <laughs> cussing instead of blessing. They're dishonoring their parents. They're filled with idolatry and all the rest of it. Now look, this family, this mother, believes... She's serving the Lord. That's what she believes. You see, every man's doing what's right in his own eyes and making these idols and, and letting your son steal and blessing it and it's okay and letting whatever go on. She thinks that's the right thing to do. They had become morally and spiritually bankrupt. They had become idolaters who were trying to serve the Lord. Do you see? Now, that's what's happening in our nation today. We think we're liberated. There are women that think they're liberated from their husbands and their role as a wife. There are women that think they're liberated from having babies anymore. There are husbands who think they're liberated from the responsibility of taking care of a family. There are children that are, you'll amen me in a minute, I hope. There are children that are liberated, that think they're liberated from the rules and from responsibility itself and, and from authority itself. Do you see what's happening to our family? These, these standards that once held our nation together, they're vanishing. And as they vanish before us, it scares me absolutely to death. God called Israel out of Egypt. And he gave them what is known as the Ten Commandments. And Israel had experienced a great deliverance. And God gave them the standard. And that standard has become the foundation of their law and the foundation of our law even this day. The judicial system of the United States founded upon the principles of the Ten Commandments. And in our courtrooms, some were offended by the Ten Commandments hanging on the wall 
and they sued the courts and they sued the schools to get the Ten Commandments off of the wall. And guess what? They won. And here's the problem. They didn't just want them off the wall. They wanted them out as the standard. And it's happening before our very eyes. In our nation, we say that uh, we grew up with values. Now, I'm going to give you some values. Some of you that are my age or maybe just a little older, I want to give you some values and see where you think they are back then to where we are today. What about honesty, integrity, hard work, truth, justice, sacrifice, family? All of these things are fading away in our nation. And these held our nation together. I was noticing that Miss Kim, she had knit together a blanket for Shelby uh, for the baby that's to be born. And I said, man, I, that's a beautiful blanket. But just imagine, Miss Kim, if, if somebody had got a hold of that and began to unravel it, what would have quickly happened? That blanket would have shrunk in size and it would have been nothing. Let me tell you, values are vanishing all across our land and what held the fabric of our nation together, one by one, they're being stripped away from us. Back in a small town in Missouri, there was two boys that were out playing and a stray dog came up to them and started playing with them. And the boys liked the dog so much that they took the dog home with them and said, Daddy, can we keep it? Daddy, can we keep it? said, no, boys, that's not our dog. It's, it's, it's black. It's got white spots. Somebody's going to be looking for this dog. They said, Daddy, please, it's took up with us. It's a stray. Let us keep it. And their preacher daddy, pastor daddy, said, okay, boys, you can keep it for now. We'll see what happens in a few days. A new family that had moved to town that had their dog had run away and was now lost. They looked everywhere, put up signs, missing dog, lost dog, and those boys heard about it. And they came home and said, Daddy, 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 if that family comes looking for their dog, please don't tell them that this could be their dog. And they went and got black shoe polish, and they rubbed all over its spots. It had white spots on it to take away its spots. And the people came to the house. And the pastor opened the door and they said, Listen, we just moved to this small town of Missouri and, and uh, we're missing our dog. Have you seen a dog? And that dog, knowing that that was its owner's, sitting there and they pulled back on its, pulled back on its collar. And the daddy said, Well, what did it look like? He said it was black with white spots. And the daddy said, Well, you can see our dog is completely black all over. The pastor daddy lied to that family kept the dog, but he really ultimately lost his boys. Maybe you've heard of those boys. Their name is Frank and Jesse James, the most notorious gangsters this country has probably ever known. And it all started in one decision to steal the neighbor's dog. You see, God gave us commandments, thou shalt not steal, and etc. And you, listen, here in this very passage, this mother allowed her son to steal, to worship false gods, and she's even encouraging him in his action. Do you see? Here's a family that's lost their foundation. May I ask you a question? What are you teaching your children? What are you okaying with them that's really not okay? The Bible says in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And it is precisely the culture of our nation today. Did you know I was reading an article that said, listen to this, three 
out of every four Americans believe we are in moral and spiritual decline. Two out of every three say the nation is way off track. Social dysfunction halts our land. Crime, drugs, violence. It's amazing what's going on in our nation. And this social dysfunction is just fraying the fabric of our nation even further. Blacks against whites. Children against parents. Mothers against maternity. Fathers against their own child support. Churchgoers that are against the church. There's a loss of accountability. I could go on and on. There's a loss of accountability in this passage. And there's a loss of accountability in our homes and in our nation and in our churches. Number two, there is the lack of authority. Verse number seven. There was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said to him, I'm a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah. I go to sojourn, sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy vittles. So the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Now know... I that now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Well, let's think about it. God said to the Levites that they were to be the priests of the day. Let's liken the Levite to a modern day pastor. They're to teach the word of God. They're to lead the people in praise. They're to serve God in a specific way in the temple. In the, in the house of the Lord. But here in verse 7 is a Levite traveling from Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem, Bethlehem means house of praise, a house of bread, and Judah means praise. So here's a Levite, a pastor, from the house of bread and the house of praise. And what's he doing? He's out sojourning. He's looking around because he doesn't have any place to stay. And on his journey, he just so happens by Micah's house in the hill country of Ephraim. And we know what's already happened in Micah's house. He's got a house of idolatry. Uh, things are just going however he wants them to go. And so this, this young man, Micah, says to this uh, sojourner, he said, where do you live? Where, where do you dwell? He said, I'm from Bethlehem, Judah, and I'm looking for a place to stay. And he said, oh, stay with me. That'd be wonderful. And you could be to me as a father, and you could be to me as a priest, you could work in my house of idolatry. I'm talking about the man of God, the Levite, being hired to work in a house of idolatry. He said, I'll pay you ten, was it ten shekels a year? That's what I'll pay you. And so this man, with the call of God on his life, out wandering around, accepts this position. And now he's okay 
with idolatry and all this mess that's going on. I want to read to you out of the book of John chapter 10. God had things that he wanted done in specific ways and this young man has just hired his own preacher. He, he's now a pastor without any principles. And In John chapter 10 and at verse number 12, but he, that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. May I just take time out to say, that this young man, this Levite, who's accepted this position, this call, he is straying, getting around the call of God, seeking his own welfare. No king in the land, every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. And he said, I got to take care of me. I got to have me some new threads. I got to have me a place to stay. I'm going to accept that position. I can look the other way in this house of idolatry. It'll be okay. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm just saying, he is forsaking his calling. And I'm talking tonight to, to, to our nation, preachers, men of God, servants of the Lord. What happened to the calling of God upon your life? How you've gotten around from that and went off to do your own bidding is absolutely amazing. What, what happened, daddy, to really being a godly daddy? And what happened to be a God, godly mother? It's just amazing what's happening in our nation. We have a people who will not submit to God and do things God's way because every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Here's the thing. We say we want the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, but I'll tell you what you really want. You really want a butler. Somebody you can tell to do this and bless that and take care of this. God, that, and that'll, and once, you, once, once the butler does it, you don't even return to say thank you. You think that's just the butler's job. It's just God's job to bless you. It's just God's job to take care of us. And then have God look the other way while you go do what you want to do. We don't want God reigning and ruling in our nation. There is a lack of authority in our land. This young man, this Levite, I submit to you, has become a hireling. Do you agree? Thirdly, Judges chapter 18, verse 1. Let us see the lowly activity. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Wait a minute, preacher Darren, you read that in verse 6. God's word says it again. It's that important. In those days, the tribe of the Danites. Now, who did I say? I'm going to see if you're, you're hearing. The Danites. God, I went back and looked in the book of Joshua chapter 19. God had Joshua, when the children of Israel uh, was given the promised land, God had Joshua give Dan the seventh lot of inheritance. God's perfect number was given to Dan. Okay? And they never, I read the scriptures all over, I never saw where the Danites ever laid claim to the land that God gave them. They became nomads, always looking and searching around. Look what it says here. In those, king, those days, there was no king in Israel, and in those days, the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day, all their inheritance had not fallen unto them, 
among the tribes of Israel. I went back and looked, had not followed them. Well, so-and-so had to die and pass it on to him. No, God gave it to them. Here's the problem. God required them to go and cut down the trees and dig in the ground and build them gardens and build themselves houses. And the Danites said, Ew, that's uncomfortable for me because that's going to take effort. I'm going to have to go to work. Ugh. I think God just ought to give me stuff. I don't think I ought to have to work for it. I just want a handout. I, and so they became nomads. They, they didn't want to work the land. In fact, maybe they said, whoa, whoa, there's, there's Canaanites there. there. There's Hittites and Hivites there. Why, we couldn't dwell among sinners. No, God said, drive them off the land. Oh, no, I, I don't want to offend anybody. It's just an excuse. God would have taken care of that for them, but instead, they're not willing to work. They are looking for a land that's already been worked. They're looking for a land that's already been prepared for them to lay claim upon it. Here's what. Rather than receive what God gave them, they wanted to go and take what belonged to somebody else. They're seeking a handout. They want something for free. They want something they don't have to work for. They want something that someone else has worked for. I mean, how many blessings would you have if it was totally dependent upon your prayer life? We want God just to hand it to us based on what everybody else is doing. And if we don't get what we want, we're going to go down the road and see if we can find it there because they've already worked for it. And we've become, we've become unfruitful in our very own churches because we won't pray and we won't be faithful and we won't work in the communities in which God has called us. They want something they don't have to pay for. To make a long story short, in chapter 18, guess what the tribe of Dan got their eyes on? They came to the hill country of Ephraim and they saw Micah's properties. His mama's wealthy. Maybe she's a widow lady and he don't have a daddy in his life. They saw his house of idolatry and all his golden silver images. Saw all those things and man, it flooded their soul. Verse 4, he said unto them, thus and thus, this is the man of God. Remember, they hired, they hired, uh, Micah hired a Levite. I called him a hireling. You remember that? So they've come and they're asking this hireling, hey, what's the deal here? And look at this place. What's going on? Verse 4. He said unto them, Thus and thus dealeth Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. They say unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee of God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. Here's their, here's their goal. Ask and see if it's okay if we take Micah's property. Ask and see, ask your God and see if it's okay if we take that which belongs to somebody else. Let's, here's a wolf. Here comes a wolf ready to take over. Man of God, will you stand? Verse 6. And the priest said unto them, go in peace. Go in peace. Before the Lord is your way, wherein you go. The hireling would not stand up. He would not honor his commitment, not even to Micah. I just want to say this. I've got a preacher friend of mine, and it's driving me nuts. He's got to where he doesn't want to say you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. He said, I'm afraid that offends people, makes them feel like sinners. 
Here's his advice. And I know where he got it. He got it from a TV preacher. I won't call any names to protect the guilty. But he says, you need to accept Jesus as your best friend. Young as you listen to me. There's a big difference between Jesus Christ being your best friend and Jesus Christ being your Savior. Forgiving your sins and saving your soul. And here's a man, Micah, that would not stand up and honor his commitment unto God. I mean, this Levite, he would not honor his commitment unto God, nor his commitment unto the one who hired him. He'd just wait for somebody else to come along and hire him and take him away. I want to say this tonight, and I'll move off this thought. But I'm convinced in our nation that we could quickly, dramatically, radically be changed if a generation of preachers would actually do their job and start preaching the word of God and seeking God's holy face and declare it to the people of God and them get a hold of it, amen, and get excited about what God's doing and follow him all the way, it would change our nation. Even a nation whose values are vanishing, they could reappear if we would stand. Chapter 18, verse number 19. Look with me now. The tribe of Dan, they come to the man of God. They're getting ready to take this property. You're looking with me here. And they said unto him, this is what they said to the man of God, hold thy peace, lay thy hand upon thy mouth, and go with us. Y'all looking at me? I want to show you what they just said. Preacher! Don't say nothing about it. Don't get up there and say that it's wrong to shack up or it's. Don't get up there and preach on sin. I love you as long as you stay off that. You might offend one of my children. You might upset some of my family. Honey, what happened to preaching the truth? Lay your hand upon your mouth and go with us. Just go with us. The wolf comes. And the hireling says, I'll just go with the wolf. Who's afraid of the big, bad wolf? As long as I'm joined with him. Be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for thee to be a priest unto the house of one or to be a priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? We're the Danites, known as the most idolatrous people that there are amongst all the 12 tribes. Verse 27. And they took the fangs which Micah had made, and the priest which he had. They took all of Micah's silver, they took all of his gold, they took all of his property, they took every bit of it, and they took his hireling priest and came to Laish unto a people that were at quiet and secure, and they smote them with the edge of the sword and burnt the city with fire. They went to more and more violence and the man of God just said I won't say a word about it. I'm just going to look the other way and I'm going to keep my mouth off of it. I won't say a thing. Just do. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now my Bible still says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. We're living in a mess. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We're living in a mess. A time of confusion, disarray, nonsense, craziness is become the norm. And how in the world, chapter 59, how in the world does this happen? Well, preacher Darren, I'll tell you how it happened. It's the gas prices. No, bless God, it's not the gas prices. This was already headed that way before gas prices went up. That's just what you started feeling. Well, preacher Darren, it's the government. No, bless God, it's not the government problem that we have either. Well, preacher Darren, I think it's the economics. It's not the economics. Preacher Darren, I think it's education. People just need to be educated. We need to be more diverse. No, bless God, it's not about diversity training and it's not about more education. It's not psychological problems. Isaiah 59 verse 14. Judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. You want to know why we can't get along? You want to know why we bicker? Why there's dysfunction in the family? Why there's rape, murder, violence, robbery, homosexuality, abortion? It's not going to be fixed by a Democrat or Republican. It's not going to be fixed by the Supreme Court. It's not going to be fixed by, fixed by new legislation and electing more people. It's not going to be fixed by the police or defund the police. You've got to pick the truth up that's been laid down and forsaken in the street and start preaching it again. It must be the standard by which we live. But in our nation, our, our values are vanishing. Some of us, we want to treat truth like it's an opinion. Some of us want to have our own version of the truth. Daniel, won't you stand up? Come here, son. Can you get out of there? Hurry. I'll, if you walk on the water, that'll be all right with me. Come on. Now, I want you to take this Bible. You're pretty good at the Bible. I want you to take it turn to Isaiah 59, 14. I want you to show everybody what this Bible says. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's a blank. Well, just write it any way you want to then. Just write your own version and it'll be okay. Do you know what a dangerous thing that'd be to do, son? To take God's word and just decide, you know what? I'm going to cut this out. I'm going to cut this out. And I'm going to start. Now, I've got my own version of Isaiah 59, 14. I've got my own thing and my own set of standards. And, and what's right for me is right for me. And what's right for you is right for you. Don't get on my case. Don't make me feel like that's what's going on in our nation. And nothing's wrong anymore. Don't say something's wrong. Don't say there's sin. That might make somebody feel guilty and have to go to counseling for about six years. Thank you, son. I'm just telling you, you don't get to create your own version of the truth. God has a standard by which we are to live and it must be lived by. It must be read. It must be preached. It must be declared. And our problem in our nation is our, our values are vanishing because truth to us is just a blank page. I listened to somebody the other day say, your God's not my God, so therefore I don't have to live by it anymore. Let me tell you something. It's okay for, I, who likes college football in here? Seth, who's your favorite team? App State. App State. Who likes college football? Who else likes college football? 
Florida Gators, bless your heart, son. Florida Gators. Anybody else like college football? Who are they? Wolfpack. I'm a Clemson fan. And we're hope we're divided now, Brother Richmond. They say it's okay to be divided on which football team you pull for. It is. I don't like it, but it's okay. How many of y'all like hot dogs? How many of y'all like uh, relish on your hot dog? Ugh. We can't have fellowship anymore. We're completely divided. But you see, these things that I'm naming are preferences. Those are preferences. It's okay to be divided about what foods you like and what teams you pull for. But honey, when it comes to God Almighty, it's not about a preference. It's not about which God you serve and which God I serve. There's one God. You may say, says you. There's one God who made all things. And he is the one that we must abide by and heed to. Amen. I'm just burdened tonight. I want to turn one more verse of scripture and I'm done. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Verse 23. I'm burdened because here's the problem. The redeemed of God have adopted a carnal mindset. We, I said this morning, after 34 years of marriage, my wife and I, we looked back and said, if we could change anything, what would we change? We wouldn't change anything. But I said this, I wouldn't worry as much. Sometimes you're so worried about being politically correct. You're so worried about achieving the status quo. You're so worried about these things that you're allowing the devil to replace truth in your life with what you think is right. It cannot happen. Proverbs 23, 23, and I'm done. God says, buy the truth and sell it not. What this means is not that you can buy the truth, but it means prize the truth, value the truth. Don't ever get away from the truth of the infallible, inerrant word of God. Church after church in our nation are compromising standards so they can get people and people produce offerings. So they can have bigger ministries and do all these things. I'm telling you, we, we, had to, we had to borrow a lot of money some years ago. But we did it without compromising the truth of the word of God. And it may cause us to have a diminished or lower crowd. But I'd rather have the Holy Ghost and his power as anything I know. I want to stand in the old past where it is the good way. In closing, a preacher friend of mine went deer hunting. And as he was up in the tree stand, coming down the path was ma deer and babies. And she smelled the hunter and she stopped. And the babies, not knowing what a hunter really was, was just kind of jumping and skipping and having a good time. They're young. And the younger deer started veering from the path and going up on the side of the hill and mother deer still standing there looking and she made a weird noise and both deer stopped and looked back at her and they made a noise back to her as if to say, Mom, we're going across the hill. And she made another noise like, mm, no, we're staying in this old path. 
I know this path. This is the good way. I know it leads to a place to eat. It, it leads to a place where we can get water. It, it leads to a place of shelter. But, but that path you youngins are choosing going across that hill, that's not the way to go. And some people, they want to follow their children. Mom, dad, woo, mom, dad, look over here. This is the way, mom, dad, this is the way. We need to learn as parents, we have a job to do to lead our children in the old path and not follow our children across that thing which they want to do, which is a place of abomination and a place of sinfulness. I'm telling you, church, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I don't intend in having a loss or a lack of accountability and authority in my life. I'm not looking for lowly actions. I'm looking to lift him up, and I'm looking to warn God's people. You stand to your feet. I want to pray for our nation tonight, and I'm going to do so by going to the old-fashioned altar. And if you want to join me, that's your business. I'd love for you to come. Whatever you feel led to do, Brother Seth, I want you to play tonight as we come to the altar. Pray together. Do what you feel led to do tonight. Our Father, Lord, both I and my Father's house, we've sinned against you. Nehemiah said that during a great time of captivity. It's because the nation had values that vanished and they did nothing about it. And God, his heart was broken. Yea, your heart was broken. God, I believe with all my heart that you had rather forgive this nation as bring her into judgment. So God, we come before you, Lord, and we ask you, God, for forgiveness. Lord, when we stand accountable for how we vote, when accountable for how we live our lives, God, we're so sorry, Lord, of the sin that we condone and we look away from and we don't open our mouth against. God, we're so sorry for the sin we commit against you. Sins of omission, sins of commission. God, guilty we are on all charges. Oh, please, Lord, forgive us, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. And the Bible says, Lord, if we would look to you, if we'd humble ourselves, if your people would do this, Lord, and forsake our wicked ways, God, you would hear from heaven. God, will you hear us, Lord? We repent in sackcloth and ashes. We repent and beg the blood of Jesus to cover our sins. Lord, would you restore us? God, would you give us reprieve? God, would you give us another chance? God, I know you've given us chance after chance. Simon Peter said, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother till seven times? And you said, 70 times. God, you forgive and forgive and forgive and you don't keep a tally. Lord, I praise you tonight, God. Lord, help us, Father, that our nation, our families, our churches would return to the infallible, inerrant, inspired authority of the Word of God. God, it's not here about giving puppet shows to entertain children to cause numbers to come. 
Lord, it's about living by the truth. Help us, God, to take the truth that is falling in the streets and to lift it high. Lord, for this we ask your help with, your strength, your spirit, Father. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit will lift up a standard against him. Help us, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.